Um, let's hold up our Bibles. See how many Bibles we have. All right. And when I say go, we're going to find the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. Uh, we're not going to see who can find it first. But uh, find Matthew chapter 25. I can't get over something Brother Joe said. It just struck, it hit my funny bone. He said, uh, put the other left foot forward. <laughs> and you know, that, that taught me something. I never knew there was but one left foot until tonight. But that's what Brother Joe said. He said, put the other left foot forward. All right, let's look at the scripture tonight. As you know, we've been for a number of weeks studying the Sermon on the Mount. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly had the Lord bless it to my own heart. And I want to thank Him for that. And the Sermon on the Mount's become more precious to me in recent weeks than I believe it's ever been. And um, we're in chapter 6. And tonight we're going to start reading with verse 25 and read to the end of the chapter. Now, just to look ahead, chapter 7 will finish up the Sermon on the Mount. There are 111 verses involved in these three chapters. Chapter 7 will finish it up. Now, in chapter 7, there are some tremendously important things. There is uh, the teaching of Jesus on uh, the matter of not judging other people. God willing, that will be a week from tonight. Now, I'll tell you that... The Lord really talked plain about that, not judging other people, and we'll be talking about that. Then there is a section in, in uh, chapter 7 has to do with the matter of prayer, and a section that ha is a warning against false teachers, and that's very important. And then there's a section has to do with the two foundations upon which a person can um, choose to build their life. So some good things in chapter 7. Now let's look at chapter 6 and verse 25 to the end of the chapter. Now I, I suppose that in most of your Bibles there's a little heading to this section uh, of the Scripture uh, just before verse 25. In my Bible it says, The cure of anxiety, trust in the Father's care. And wasn't that a good song about the Heavenly Father just before the reading of the Scripture? So that's what it's about tonight. I like to think of this as God's warning about and God's cure for anxiety. Now, it's a wonderful part of the Scriptures. Let's look at it. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit, under his stature. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon 
in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What we shall eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now as you recognize, of course, the scripture that we have read tonight has to do with physical things. The Lord Jesus in, in this teaching mentioned such things as food and drink, which is necessary, and raiment for the body, which is necessary, He's talking here about physical things. These things are necessary things for all people and a necessary concern on the heart, in the heart and life of every person. In fact, I think we would all be amazed and would be tremendously surprised if you, somehow or another you could just reach in the Bible and take out of the Bible all that the Bible says about food and raiment and clothing, about the physical needs of a person, of a child of God. If you take all that out of the Bible, it says about bread and water and clothing and food and all the physical needs. I think we'd be astonished at the amount of the Bible that's taken up with this matter. And yet there's a warning here about it and then a wonderful comfort here about it also. You see, many places in the Bible, this matter is brought up because it is a need, a concern for everybody in this world, <coughs> no matter who they are. When the Lord said to Elijah, now I want you to go back to the brook Cherith, he also said this, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. You see, the Lord knew that Elijah would probably think, now if I go back in the wilderness, back there by the brook, I'm, I'm not going to be working. No one knows I'm, I'm going to be there. How shall I live? And so the Lord said, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. You know, in this very chapter that I've read from tonight, we have what's called the model prayer. And we gave our attention to that on one Wednesday night. Uh, what some people call the Lord's Prayer. I like to think of it more as the model prayer. And in this model prayer, where the Lord is teaching us how to pray, you see, someone came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And as the other gospels make, gospels make it clear, he said, when you pray, pray this way. And in that prayer it says, Give us this day our daily bread. So don't think that God is not 
interested and concerned about physical things in the life of a child of God. Now, many, many times it, it just comes to the surface in the Bible. I read, for, the, for instance, about the two men in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. One died and went to hell, one died and went to heaven. The one that went to hell was rich. Didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he was lost. One died and went to heaven. He was poor. He didn't go to heaven because he was poor. He went to heaven because he was saved. But the poor man in this great record Jesus gave in that chapter, the Bible said the poor man was desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. You see, just over and over, and sometimes in unexpected places, this matter of food and raiment and what a person's to eat and drink and things for the body, it comes to the very surface in the Bible. In the greatest miracle Jesus ever wrought, you find this thing comes up. And one, one of the gospel writers said to them, how are these going to eat? Um, in the sixth chapter of John, you find the question, from whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? See, here's a multitude been listening to Jesus preach and teach all day. But people think about the fact, the matter, what shall they eat? How are they going to be fed? And um, they ask the question, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? I'm just saying these things to get you to see this is a subject that's discussed much in the Bible and a subject that's taken care of in the Bible. Now, three times in the Scripture that I read to you tonight, you find the expression, take no thought. I'm going to give you what I believe is a definition of that in just a minute. And what I think the Lord means when he said three times, take no thought about these things. Take no thought about your food and your raiment, your clothing and so forth. Three times he said, take no thought about it. But before we even notice that, you see, the Lord's warning us about the sin of worry and anxiety about these things. But before I even get to that, uh, let me give you some wonderful teaching in the Bible about it. You see, Jesus said, have no anxiety about these things. And what it means is, do not worry. Plainly and simple, Jesus is saying when he said, take no thought, he is saying, do not be unduly anxious about these things. Take no thought for them. He is saying, do not worry about them. Now, there's some wonderful teaching in the Bible about how the Lord provides for these things. As we go about doing what God wants us to do, the Lord takes care of all these things. I love chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 of the book of Philippians. See, it's written by a man who's in prison, totally dependent on someone else to see that to that prison cell, 
there is brought food and raiment and so forth, and his physical needs are carried far. He cannot do it. He must trust God that others will take care of it. And in that wonderful Philippian letter, Paul said, Be careful for nothing. Now that does not mean be careless. It means be anxious for nothing. Be worried for nothing. See, same thing Jesus is talking about when he said, Take no thought for these things. Be not overly anxious about them. Do not worry about them, is what he's saying. Paul is saying the same thing. Take, uh, he said, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And now listen to what it says, because it has a surprising truth in it, uh, at least for me. He said, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now look at what it's saying. It says, be anxious for nothing. But with thanksgiving, prayer, and supplication, let your request for these things be made known unto God. Now, it's not, it not, it's not just talking about the answer. The answer will come. When one looks to God, God will meet his needs. When one looks to God and honors God, God will see that all these things are taken care of. But there's more than that in this verse. It says, if you take the, follow this practice, the peace which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That means, if you commit it to God in the right way, you'll have not, you will not have this over-anxiety, and you will not worry about these things if you commit it to God in the right way. You'll not only have the food, raiment, and clothing, but you'll have, God said, a peace that passeth all understanding about it. Now I want us to see tonight the three times the Lord said in these verses, take no thought. Now you have to, you have to interpret the Bible in the light of the Bible. The Lord is not saying here, don't, you don't have to work. Uh, I hope no one has that in your mind. I mentioned it last Wednesday night. There are a lot of people that have studiously Tried to get through life without working. I like to see people, elderly people, widowed people, needy people. I like to see them help, and any help they get, I rejoice in it. But God's not talking about that here when he says, Take no thought about three things. Take no thought about the comforts of life. Take no thought about the conditions of life. And take no thought about the continuation of life. If you read it and sum it up, you'll find that's what the Lord is saying here. First of all, you do not need to be overly anxious about the comforts of life. You see, the Lord established something in the very beginning of the Bible. Even when the curse came, 
The curse was fourfold. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was a curse upon the earth and a curse upon Satan. A special curse upon the woman. But there was a curse upon man. And a part of the curse was, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat thy bread. That is, God said, You will earn your living with the sweat of thy face. Now, I don't know what it would have been like if the curse had never come. We, maybe none of us have ever had to work. We just go around picking fruit and eating vegetables and all of that all the time, but that's not the way it is. You see, God established a principle in the very beginning of the Word of God, uh, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. And Paul wrote to a church one time, where there was benevolent feeling toward needy people. And Paul said, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That is, of that which the church has to dispense. If one doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That's what God said. So when the Lord said, take no thought what you shall eat, he didn't mean that a person is not to work and to give himself to the provision of these things. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. But you know, the Lord, our Heavenly Father, wonderfully provides these things. I like the 21st chapter of John. It's a chapter that describes a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus after he arose from the dead. Now you just think, he died on the cross, he was in the tomb three days and three nights. He arose from the grave. You'd think that no one would be thinking about something to eat. But he begins to make appearances for 40 days and 40 nights on the earth. And he appeared to at least seven of the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. He said some wonderful things to them. But you know one thing Jesus said? They were out there fishing and catching nothing. And they, they hear the voice of Jesus on the shore. And you know what Jesus said? He said, come and dine. He's thinking about meeting the physical needs, what they should eat and drink and so forth. And even after he arose from the dead, he appeared to them at the Sea of Galilee and said to them, come and dine. So you see, the Lord has promised, and the Lord has given himself to meeting the needs of God's people who go about doing his will. So that a Christian, if he does what he ought to do, he does not have to be overly anxious about these physical things. I never will forget my first church, and I've mentioned it a good many times. If you'd gone to it like I did when I was 24 years of age, Ms. Malone and I had just been married a few months, and you'd mentioned it a few times too because I, I had some experiences I'll never forget as long as I live. You know, my, I found out my income was going to be $14 a week. I never asked what it'd be before I took the church. I just thought it's the greatest thing in the world that... I'd been called to be a pastor of a church. 
and I was 24 years of age. And I never asked what the salary was, and the fellow told me the first Wednesday night, and uh, there was only four other people there besides um, Miss Malone and myself, six people. This fellow announced to me, your income's going to be uh, $14 a week as long as you're here. And I was there a year and uh, never went hungry. My Heavenly Father supplied uh, my food and raiment. And I, I believe this is the way it happened. Um, I took that $14, spread it out on the floor, and with a heart looking to God, I said, Lord, I cannot live on $14 a week. But I can live from your hand to my mouth. I can live that way. Uh, irregardless of $14 a week. And I marked out a portion I wanted God to have of everything the Lord gave me as long as I live. And you know, from that day to this, I've never known what it meant to go hungry. Uh, sometimes I might have wanted something else. For instance, the folks in that little community of Leonard, Michigan, found out I like canned tomatoes. And I used to like them. And I, they found out I like canned tomatoes. And... Um, Somebody gave us, I don't know how many, soda crackers. You know, they pour a little old preacher and his wife up there in that big old parsonage. They're so hungry, they eat anything. Uh, I wish I hadn't thought of all these things, but they brought, for, for, for one thing, some canned chicken and great big half-gallon glass jars. And I mean these big old chickens. Big old drumstick that big around. Here's all these parts in there. And I just, I couldn't stand to look at those parts. But they found out I liked tomatoes. And um, and someone had given us uh, soda crackers, I, I, I guess enough to last for a couple of months. And there were times when we'd open up a can of tomatoes and uh, have some soda crackers. And that's just about it, my friend. I mean, have you ever eaten tomatoes for breakfast? There are certain things that taste better at other times uh, than they do at others, as sometimes than they do at others. But I, I thank God for those soda crackers. You know, um, crackers are one of the most wonderful things in the world. You can eat crackers for breakfast and just drink water for lunch, and they'll swell up for supper, and you think you're full all the time. But what I'm saying is, the Lord, the Lord always takes care. Take note, be not overly anxious about these things. And if I remember my heart well, and I think I do, I never, I never worried about uh, what am I going to eat? How am I going to have my physical needs met? Well, a fellow one time came and he was laboring with a big, heavy bag on his shoulder. You know what it was? It's a hundred pound bag of pinto beans. Now listen, friends. A hundred pound bag of beans cooked up is an awful lot of beans. You could feed the U.S. Army with a hundred pound of, a bag of beans. And so help me, we ate out of that bag of beans. But when we moved to Pontiac, uh, a year later, we still had some beans. When I came to Pontiac, I had food left over from that little community. What I'm saying is, God said, if you're just willing 
to do the will of God. If you trust Him, you need take no thought, be not overly anxious about the comforts of life. Now, I think in this scripture, the Lord has said, take no thought about the conditions of life. You'll not find that exact word there, but you will find in this scripture where the Lord said, can, in verse 27, uh, you can take all the thought you want to. He seems to be saying, but you cannot add one cubit to your stature. A cubit is about approximately 18 inches. God said, you can think about all you want to. And what he's saying, God made you the way you are. Don't worry about it. If you're so tall, you have to fold up two or three times to sit down in the chair. God made you that way. If you're short, God made you short. God said, take no thought about the physical conditions of your life. Do you know that people marvel about the fact that uh, when God sends snow, and oh dear Lord, wait a while before you send any more. But when the Lord sends snow, there are no two snowflakes alike. That's, a, that's an established fact. No two snowflakes are alike. Uh, Job said, Hast thou considered the treasures of the snow? And we've been considering them for a number of weeks. But the Lord never made two snowflakes alike. And do you know God never has made two people just exactly alike. Say, well, now, wait a minute, preacher. I know some identical twins. No, you don't either. You know two people born the same time, and they look alike, and so much so, maybe you cannot tell any difference in them, but people that know tell us there are no two people on earth who are just exactly alike. And no one else like you. No one, God, when God made you, He threw the mole away. Somebody, a uh, man said one time, I'm glad that, that, um, let's see, what did he say? I have not so much trouble with my jokes, I forget the punchline. And the funniest thing about my jokes is that they're not funny. But he said, uh, uh, I'm glad everybody in the world's not just like my wife. He said, if, if they were, why, everybody want her. And uh, another fellow said, no, and if everybody was like me, nobody would have her. You see, there are no two people alike. There need to be a little correction in there somewhere. I don't remember where it was. But there's nobody alike. And you know, the, God has... So ordered things, you get it figured out for me. And I'll, I'll retell it next Sunday. But the Lord has so, so made us so there are no two people in the world just alike. Now, God, I think in His Word, teaches we are to be examples one to another. And I see people and I say, oh, we should could be just the man of God. That person is. But that does not mean. I need to be like that person and never can be. For God made you the way you are. Take it. Use it. 
for the glory of God. Uh, take no thought, be not overly anxious. Do not worry about the conditions of life. Then thirdly, when the Lord said, take no thought, do not worry, do not be overly anxious, he is saying, do not worry about the continuation of life. Now in verse 34, he said, take no thought for the moral. For the moral will take thought of the things of itself. Now I say again, you have to interpret this in the light of other scripture. I've known some people do some very foolish things about this. I knew a man in this church and a wonderful man, and I love him and I still do. And I don't know of a man that in some ways ever meant more to this church than that man did. And he's moved away, he lives in Florida now. But that man said to me one time, I'm not going to wash my car anymore. I said, why? I ought to have known why. It's about to fall apart anyway. But I said, why? He said, well, the Lord's coming. He said, I believe the Lord will come before my car needs washing. Now, I don't think that's scriptural. The Lord can come any time. And when the Bible says, take no thought for the morrow, it's not talking about carelessness. It's talking about peace of heart and mind about the future. And do not be overly anxious about the continuation of life. Now, if you'll read that verse, you'll see, For the Mars will take thought of the things of itself, and sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know, I guess that the, the, the uh, desire for survival is in the heart of just about everybody. And there are a lot of people that worry about how, how long they're going to live. You know, there's a formula here. I mean a remedy here. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, everything the Lord's talking about. Comfort of life, condition of life, the continuance of life, all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. I just believe that a Christian, all things being equal, that a Christian will live longer on this life, in this, in this life, than an unsaved person. First of all, his health habits are better, as a rule. And you know, there's some things in the Bible that uh, give us um, a recipe, so to speak, for long life. Bible says, honor thy father and mother, that it may be well with thee. And that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Had a man stand in the back of this church and tell me about a cousin of his. Because I preached on Mother's Day the Sunday before. On honor thy father and mother that it may be well with thee and thy days may be long upon the, upon the land. And he told me about a cousin of his. A member of a large family. All the family were married and gone. And this, this young man was engaged to be married to a young girl. And it's, it's, it's marriage is taught and well and good in the Bible. But he was engaged to be married. He's the last child. His mother and father became ill and sorely needed him. He said to his wife, now when we're married, we'll have to move in our home with mom and dad, and I'll have to take care of them. She said, no. 
So he did not marry. He waited until he had taken care of his mother and father. Then he married, I think, someone else. I hope it was someone else. And he married. And uh, Brother Ed Wallen stood in the back of this church and told me that that man lived to, to see the funeral of every brother and sister that he had. Why? He did what God said. The Word of God prolongs life on this earth. And the Lord say now, hey, don't worry about the future and when you're going to pass away and so forth. Reckon upon the omniscience of God. You see, the Lord knows everything. And the Lord knows how long your life is going to be. And in verse 22, it says, uh, 32, it says, Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He knows everything. Just leave it in the hands of God. Say, well, preacher, sound like you. You're just not worrying about dying at all. Well, really, I'm not. And that doesn't mean that I, uh, that I think uh, death is all that beautiful. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not looking forward to it. Not one bit in the world. You can put all the green grass and flowers you want to, but it's still death. And I never have liked to be tied down in my whole life. And I never have liked the thought of being cooked up in a little box. And then I know some folks are going to say some things I won't like when, when that time comes. I know somebody's going to say, doesn't he look natural? <laughs> Did you ever see anybody who was dead, who looked natural. And somebody's going to say, well, I'm going to Brother Tom's funeral today, and some dumbbell's going to say, did he die? <laughs> and somebody that never said a good word to me in all their life's going to come, and they're going to say, oh, how I loved you, Brother Tom. That's when I'm coming up. <laughs> See, I'm not looking forward to this thing at all. But I want to tell you something right now. I believe that God can give a person a peace in their heart that whatever happens to them, he reckons it to be the will of God and he never worries about it. You see, if a Christian lives like he ought to live, no matter when he goes, he's ready to go. When you're ready to live, then you're ready to go. The Lord said, don't be worrying about uh, tomorrow. Commit your life completely under Christ and trust in His wonderful promises and take no undue thought or worry or anxiety about any of these things. Thank God for this wonderful warning but wonderful comfort in the Word of God about physical things. I want us to sing, I believe it's number 89. Number 89, Ms. Malone, if you'll lead us. This is a beautiful old hymn. Let's stand together, please. Everyone standing. And we're going to sing number 89. God will take care of you. And you know that's true, friend. The Lord will take care of you. God will take care of everything about you. God looks after His own. I was thinking last week where the Bible says not even a sparrow falls to the ground but what the Heavenly Father knoweth it, God will take care of His own. 
Let's sing this good old song. Let's sing it all. God will take care of you, number 89. Let's sing it from our hearts. services of the Lord's Day. You know, we had a few people saved last Sunday, I believe last Sunday night, uh, uh, a young couple, maybe one or two others were saved in the night service and two or three in the morning service. We had a few people saved. But you know, we're not reaching people like we ought to. We ought to have 25 or 30 professions of faith in this church every Sunday of the world. I believe if we were doing what God wants to do in all the different phases, the outreach of our church, we'd see a large groups of people being saved. Now, please pray and try to have someone here next Sunday that needs the Lord. And let's ask the Lord to give us a wonderful day and to save many people. Now, let's bow our heads to be dismissed. My Father, I thank you for the privilege tonight and the health and strength and the desire just to be here in the house of God and the fellowship with your people. Thank you for these dear people. 
and we love them, and we just praise you for every one of them. Now bless them, and use us in these next two or three days. Lord Jesus, please open doors of service and witness for thee, and may we see people come to know thee this coming Lord's Day. If thou dost tarry thy coming, may we see many people be saved. And we'll thank you for all you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night and God bless you.